0: Brandon Brands. This is Orrin Klaas, the author of Pitch Anything and Flip the Script. And if you want to build a brand that matters, you should be listening to Brands on Brands on Brands with my good friend, Brandon Berkmeyer. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change. How do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host,
1: Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal marketing coach. And I believe that building brands that matter is the only way for a business to thrive tomorrow. As we do each week on Mondays, I'm bringing you interviews from the top marketing experts and entrepreneurs out there. And this week is no different. We have one of the world's leading experts on sales, raising capital and negotiation. Yeah, I know sales is a little bit outside of the vein of marketing, but honestly, in my book, sales and marketing are like kissing cousins. And if you are an entrepreneur that needs to be get better at pitching and get better at building relationships and those critical, like big wins in your business. This is the one to listen to. Uh, If you didn't know his first book, pitch anything is considered required reading for the Silicon Valley and wall street types and fortune 500. It has more than a million copies sold worldwide. And he's written for literally all the top names out there. He's written for the Harvard business review for ad age, for Inc., for entrepreneur Hundreds of periodicals, podcasts, blogs. He's an investing partner in a two hundred million dollar private equity investment fund. Uh, in his spare time, he rides motorcycles. Uh, and man, his stories are just epic. Like this guy from you know from Russia to the Europe to to LA have, has negotiated some of the biggest uh, wins for massive companies. And if you read his book, which is why we're talking to him today, his new book uh, is called "Flip the Script: Persuade Anyone by Getting Them to Think Your Idea Is Their Idea." It drops August thirteenth, and for most of you, this, this when you listen to this, that means it's already on the shelves. Man, I read that book uh, honestly, top to bottom, and it's transformative. It's the kind of thing that you read and you're like, "Wow, I like I wish I could have figured this out a long time ago." It makes you a better at selling, but it's the idea of selling without selling. It's almost like Inception. It's a good uh, word they use in the book. Uh, it's the idea of making the other person uh, positioning yourself in a way that the other person comes up with the idea themselves and many more amazing tips and tricks. And just, you'll tell by the energy of Oren from, from this conversation is off the charts. He's great to listen to, an amazing storyteller. And uh, we get tons of them today. Tons of stories, tons of analogies, tons of great examples of you, how you can see he, he's been pitching in, in these big meetings week to week. So I hope you guys love the energy. I hope you guys take the valuable lessons and I hope you guys go out there and get the book because I think it's one of those required readings that's going to be uh, defining the 2019 Business Book Log. So check it out and uh, enjoy the show. Brandon Brand. All right, let's get going. First and foremost, thank you so much to our guest today, Oren Clapp, for being on the show. Thank you, Oren, for being here.
0: All right. Well, I took the invite and now I'm going to see what happens.
1: (laughs) I can't promise it's uh, going to be all you expect it to be, but we'll make the most of it. (laughs) Uh, But I do want to jump right into it. And, And here's what I'll tell you first. A lot of my guests come in and we dig deep into some specialized marketing expertise, right? Some Instagram content creation or generating leads with blogs or whatever it is. Every now and then I have the pleasure of bringing in a guest with some fresh perspective that's a little outside the box uh, for me personally and, and probably for the audience too. So in today's conversation, to me today, it's, it's going to be it's about selling and sales. And I say that on purpose because I know it, that those words people don't like. <laughs> but now I think most people, they would benefit from the core principles of this book, which which I think what I'm taking from it is the idea of selling without selling, right? Which you do say that in the book here or there. I think it's huge, especially today when people read through this kind of stuff. So your book, Flip the Script, Persuade Anyone by Getting Them to Think Your Idea is Their Idea, drops August 13th, uh, 2019. And for most of us listening, which, you'll, you know, which will be after August, that means you can head to Amazon right now and pick up a copy. So for my listeners, Oren, I will bring you on now. Can you lay out for our listeners, what is flipping the script? What's that about? How does it transform our listeners?
0: Yeah, so it's really interesting. Flip the script. You know, I wrote Pitch Anything. If you haven't heard of Pitch Anything or read Pitch Anything, then you're the last person in America who hasn't. But anyway... You know, why does the world need another pitch anything? You know, in Pitch Anything, I taught people that when you're going in to present something, to get money, sell an idea, right, you should act like a brand, you know, to put it in your language. You shouldn't supplicate. And the buyer should know that you're the high status, you're the brand, you have the value, and they should be trying to win the opportunity to work. with you I give the example of BMW has this M3, uh, now they've got a couple you know, models where, you know, you walk in and you say, Hey, I'm interested in the, you know, the new M3. So I'd like to, uh, you know, have the seats in this. I don't want to pay more than 65,000. Uh, I need a deal by the end of the day. And let's see, I, I want the special whatever. Right. And this is the only price I'm willing to pay. And they so you know what? Kick rocks. Like if I had 10 of these, I could sell 10, but I only have one. And not only do you have to pay eighty five thousand dollars, not sixty five. You have to sign a contract that you're going to wash it in a special way. That's the power that a brand has, and that's the power that you, as a salesperson, an entrepreneur, a deal maker, also have. So, pitch anything taught you that since the years that I wrote Pitch Anything, which showed you, and you know, again, how to be in the high status position as a brand, not as a seller. Salespeople all over the the world forgot how to sell or dislearned how to sell or never knew how to sell. But I got hired by publicists, as an example, and many large ad agencies. And they go, yeah, we don't know how to sell, right? That's not what we do. Like we hire young kids who program banners, we A, B test, and like we, we don't know the way of the sword. Like you cannot think of an ad agency anymore. It's not me. Now, my opinion is, you know, large ag- agencies saying, yeah, yeah, you, you, we don't have Don Draper hanging around here. We don't, we're not like hunter killers in pitching. We don't know how to pitch and sell. We just completely, that's a lot, we've lost the way of the sword. So, but, but that's true across the board. Salespeople don't know how to sell because today buyers don't want to be sold. And that's the central premise of the book. People buy. Right, literally. If you're a sales guy, you know what it's like. You're 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 you know laying down your features and your benefits, and then you, then the buyer just goes, "How much is it?" Well, you know, it just really depends. Uh, how much is it? And they're fact checking you. They're looking online. They're looking to get an offer from you, and then find out where they can get the exact same product, service, idea, company, whatever, cheaper or for free. And that's baked in to the mentality of today's buyer. And none of us are immune, Brandon. You're not going to sit here and go, well, that's not me. I'm a, you know, I'm a good bride. But, you know, I just saw this example yesterday. Uh, picked up my running. By
1: the way, do you run or play racquetball or what do you do? Yeah, I do some running, some volleyball, some basketball. So when you say some running, what, just define that. For me on the gym, in the gym at the treadmill, like not so outside. Like two miles, two miles, something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's not a lot.
0: That's what I've been doing. But um, I got a coach and she picked up my miles from two to 12. And let me tell you, between two miles and 12 miles is like 40 miles, right? It's fucking a lot of miles. So anyway, I had to get this thing called a Normatech. You put your legs in it and, it and it squeezes your legs like a massage. You know, it's for industrial strength athletes or idiots like myself. So anyway, I go to Normatech. What? What? 2,500 bucks. Whatever. But $2,500 things every day. But I'm like, eh, it must be cheaper somewhere, right? And then- This is what every salesperson goes through. They pitch, they do a good job, they help, they give some ideas. You know, even if you're selling agency services or whatever, they give some ideas and they try and be very helpful and add value and show everything. And then the buyer just goes, and this must be cheaper somewhere. So I hop over to Amazon. Sure enough, it's $2,300, not 2,500. This machine, you know, this like sock that squeezes your legs. Industrial for triathletes. So I'm like, oh, I got it down to 2300 Now it's working, right? So then, of course, where do I go? I go over to eBay. And I go, oh, eBay, I got an $1,800. You know what? What if one of these things is local? So I go to Craigslist. And I'm like, sure enough, $1,600. Used twice before I got, you know, hit on my bicycle. Can't use them anymore. Well, I'm in the hospital selling my Norma tech. Boom! $2,500 down to $1,600 in eight minutes. That's the way of the world. So if you're selling somebody just believes it's almost gamified that they can get what it is you have for cheaper. And so, so what they'll do is they'll put you in a box. You do all the hard work of going through the big idea, explaining the problem, how you solved the problem before, what your features are, what your benefits are. You get to a point where you go, so what do you think? Is this something you'd be interested in? Do you have any questions? Like honestly, authentically, fairly, nicely, you know, with no pressure and they go, Oh, it sounds great. You know, uh, we really need to do this. If you don't mind just sending me over all the information and submit a proposal. Um, you know, we'll talk internally and get back to you here in a few weeks. If we have any additional questions, you have just been put in a box, right? Like uh, what comes to mind to me is that scene in Raiders of the third arc, you know, the uh, Raiders of the lost Ark, where, where there's this giant warehouse at the end, by the way, I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but it's a 40 year old movie. So too bad. <laughs> I think they'll be okay. So, so at the end of the movie, you know, after they find the lost Ark, they put in a crate and then it just goes into this where government warehouse with a million other crates. And that's where you're going, into a warehouse with a million other offers and you're not closing the sale. So things aren't sold today. They're bought. They have to be positioned to buy. And so that's why I borrowed, recoined, rebranded, rebrandonized the term inception. So how is it that you can, and that's what this book is, flip the script. It's not about selling. You aren't going to sell somebody. The, if you are, they're just going to take your offer, use that as a center pole and try and get other people to offer lower. That, I see you nodding your head. Other people can't see you nodding your head, but I mean, can we agree on one thing?
1: No, I get it. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's something we talk about a lot. I think that the, the marketplace has changed that the idea of being sold to is a bit, it's kind of obvious now. It's, you know, people have too many tools at their disposal uh, and consumers are driving the change. You know, they want transparency. They want to be able to shop around. They have the internet at their disposal. So that's why I think this is super interesting in terms of giving us tools, giving entrepreneurs that are listening tools to figure out how do you bring your customers in, in a way that, that isn't an obvious sale, that doesn't feel schemey and slimy, but that that helps them get to where they need to be to get the benefit of the product, right? Now, I do want to kind of g- go back for a second here. Uh, obviously, you did write this amazing book pitch anything back in 2011 and you know sold more than a million copies worldwide. I definitely must read, even if you're you, you're thinking, okay, people don't want to be sold to anymore. still, you need to read this. you need to understand the, the the fundamentals of selling to understand how to how to then take the next step, I believe. So for the rest of you out there, once you're done reading it, come back to this podcast and, and figure out the rest of it. but but I want to know. So, you know, this idea, this switch from from selling to to flipping a script to this idea of inception, which I, that word is just, I mean, what a magical marketing word that is. So thank you for you for finding that one. Uh, I love I love the idea of uh, planning that idea, making the idea theirs. Why? So uh, why now? Is it just the internet? Is it just the idea of that we can see everything? Uh, why now? Does this book so relevant.
0: I think that so why now is uh, I. The lessons of pitch anything, I became very good at doing, raising the status, giving a big idea, establishing the problem, focusing on, uh, you know, focusing on the problem and getting to a point in the sale where instead of saying, so is there something you'd be interested in saying, look, we're very busy and I don't know, maybe we're lucky, maybe we're smart, who knows. But at this point, we get to choose who we want to work with as a client, as a customer, Right. And I like your account, Microsoft. You're a good company. You pay your bills. You got a good reputation. But really, I don't know enough about you to take you on. And so the premise of Pitch Anything is people want what they can't have. They chase that which moves away from them. And they only value that which they pay for. And now you could tattoo that on your arm if you want your life to get better in your relationships and your business and your workouts and everything. People want what they can't have. Chase that which moves away from them. People only value that which they pay for. And I got so good, actually, I got dangerous, right? Because I could raise money or sell anything that maybe even it shouldn't be sold. Maybe it shouldn't have money in it. It's a, it's, it's a curse to be able to raise money for anything. Uh, so I got so good at that. What started happening is good example. Guy comes in the office. We pitch him on doing business together. Right leaves the office after, you know, an hour and yeah, sounds good. You know, let's do a follow-up, all that kind of stuff. And, and he leaves, okay, meeting over, get to relax a little bit. 60 seconds, 63 seconds later, comes back in the door, right? That's not good because usually means they went to the car and they got a gun. There's no other reason to leave and come back. So a uh, guy comes back in and I don't know what's happening. And uh, he goes to the room and he takes out a checkbook and he writes a check for $15,000. What is this for? I don't know. I just, I don't know. We don't have anything that costs $15,000. It's like, we have $150,000 things. We have $1,000 things. We have $8,000. Like, it's just not a, a product. or. And he goes, okay, let's, um, let's get started. You know, see you next week. I'm excited. And leaves again, right? This time to get his gun for real. No, uh, and he leaves again. And he leaves a check for $15,000. And it's not clear what's happened. What has happened is inception. Put the idea in his mind that we need to work together. It didn't even describe a product. And he says, I have to work with you guys, comes up with a number that's comfortable in his head, $15,000 and said, let's get started. So this happened over and over again, where we don't actually get to the point in a pitch where we go, so that's what we have, you know, let's take the next steps. People along the way just go, when can we start? And that I started, so so I started documenting this book. Why is because got so good, I was able to now document what was happening in that process of putting ideas in somebody's head, letting them marinate around and having them come up with the idea. Let's work together without you ever having to overtly work towards or try and get a yes. So that's that's why.
1: Yeah. Well, and if you guys can hear, I mean, obviously the, the storytelling capability of Orin, I mean, this is the guy I want to sit down with uh, late night at a bar and, and just hear like where he's been and what's been going on. Uh, and these stories like that, that are great ways to paint pictures and teach. And you have these examples are, are, are laid out throughout the book. And some of the big ideas that you talk about in this book just really resonated with me. I'm not like, I, I'm not a uh, sales by nature, right? That's not uh, something I learned how to do well. It's like the marketing side of it. Just like you said, these ad agency people were like, well, we don't know how to sell. Uh, we know how a market. But the, so like me just le- learning some of these lessons along the way were, were huge. Some of the ideas you talk about in the book, uh, there were six big ones that I'll, I'll quickly mention, which was like the dominance hierarchy, creating certainty, using pre-wired ideas, power of plain vanilla, leveraging pessimism, and how to be compelling. Like these are all like the, the core pieces, it seems like throughout the book that you talk about, and there's stories for each one and examples and ways to do it. I'm a huge way of how you've laid that out, of tapping into like normal human habits to understand and break down the walls we we all put up, especially with new people. Like it's hard to meet new people. People don't want to share and let you in right away, especially these days, it feels like. Two of the steps in the book that 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 we just mentioned, uh, I thought were very valuable, very actionable, especially for someone who's just kind of getting started. One was the idea that that using the pre-wired ideas and the other is the power of vanilla, but I want to save that for, for in, a, in a little bit. Can you talk about pre-wired ideas and explain kind of how that works?
0: So, how, yeah, the, in, the inception of, of pre-wired ideas was really interesting. I was driving along. There I was, minding my own business, driving my Lamborghini down the coast. And um, I this show comes on NPR, right? And it's about substance abuse. Like, oh, I want sales, marketing, substance abuse. Where Where is this going? And they explain, like, uh, they start talking about cocaine, right? And they go... You know, cocaine isn't something that like man invented that makes human beings go fucking nuts. Right. So so anyway, I hear the thing on the radio and they go, look, it's a chemical substance that there's a receptor in the human mind. It's not like this pixie dust from Mars you sprinkle on the brain and you just go fucking bonkers because it's never seen it before. It's the exact opposite. There's a receptor for it. Right. And the chemical in the. There's these, these, well, that's what they call it, receptors, right in the mind for the chemical substance in cocaine and sort of super saturates those and gives more than you would naturally have in nature. And that's what makes people go bonkers, apparently. And so I started thinking about that, like, wow, it's not this totally new thing that the brain has never seen and it's reacting wildly to. It actually has channels and slots and receptors and these receivable bins for the stuff. And so I started thinking, because I see a lot of, I see a thousand pitches a year from companies and I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, they're talking about, like, I don't know what, we're completely lost. And and so I started thinking, uh, and so Pitch Anything was about getting really good at packaging and compacting complex ideas into this most simplistic format. But now I started thinking, what if we just wired these ideas for receptors that already exist in the brain? And so if you think about, uh, and one direction I headed, I got to pull this list, uh, but, but if you, there's um, this list of seven movie plots. So you're familiar with like man against man, man against nature, man against himself. Um, I don't know, Brandon, you
1: know the other. No, yeah, I, haven't, I, I, I don't. I wasn't a film major, but I've heard a few of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm like, I started chasing those down and they were a little bit esoteric. Right. But there are themes that we instantly understand, right, and want to know and can appreciate. And then there's things that require lots of explanation. I'm not sure if I mentioned the book. I I remember writing it extensively, and, you know, not everything made it in. But uh, it's funny that this question of what do you do, right, it like trips up nine out of 10 people. You just fall all over themselves. Well, you know, Um, I'm a, I'm a quality service engineer, but it's on the software side, but not really. Like when it comes to the cars, the uh, equipment has to work, but I just process the diagnostics. Like what, sorry, what the fuck do you do? Right. And so the pre-wired ideas in the human mind are I'm a farmer, right? I take care of children. I'm a cook. (laughs) Those require like very little explanation, but most modern jobs are not pre-wired in the brain. So, so I started thinking, what is the buyer pre-wired just go, boom, I understand this perfectly, And there's certain things they need to know about you and your project and why it's happening and what's going on here that if you adapt what it is you have to these pre-wired receptors, it will instantly be understood and accepted. That's why I wrote, and sorry, that was a lot longer answered than there was question.
1: No, that's okay. I, I understand it. I, I mean, the idea that, that there is a way to receive information, that if you can get to the basics of how we understand something, just like your brain is wired to, to, for drugs or for anything else, like that, that we're also wired to receive ideas in simple formats, uh, I think is huge if you can understand what those concepts are. And you get through those three ideas, the three W's, which are, why should I care, What's in it for me and and why you right the ideas of danger reward and trust and I think that everyone can understand it if you can I mean, you can explain this all, I don't want to steal your your thunder here but I I think that that simple explanation stood out to me the idea of if I could break anything I'm selling that's super complicated semiconductors to freaking you know a, a new a self you know cleaning toilet or whatever and I can break it down to like oh, wow why should I care is this is this There's something I should be afraid of. Is there something that this is, I can really take away from this and why should I buy it from you? That's simple. Like I understand that. So I I love those ideas. So think about this. And I didn't write this in the book because I
0: want to, you know, I want to read people the book and, you know, Brandon sparking new ideas in my mind, but human language was not designed to communicate the advantages of a, SaaS API plugin for QuickBooks accounting software. It was designed to communicate information about danger, right? Run! Fucking fire! But <laughs> no! <laughs> Not that way. That's where the bear is. No! Enemy <laughs> tribe that way. Run to safety this way. That's what language was designed for. Communicate information about danger. That's what people listen to. Things that are changing right? And things that are dangerous, boom, instant, you know. So, so if you walk in your office and you say, hey, Susan and Tammy are outside talking about the annual Christmas party and what flowers to bring. And people are like, oh, why? I don't want to know that. Don't ever say that again. You know, Susan and Tammy are outside beating the snot out of each other, right? And yelling about who has been fiddling with who in the office. What? I got to see that. People are attracted to conflict, change, social change, changes in the dominance hierarchy, right? And, and ultimately change in status and danger. And that's what we're attracted to. So what you have has to be, now I sell uh, SaaS software that analyzes the speed of semiconductors, right? Uh, how do I use this dumb information you're giving me, Brandon and orn right? Uh, change, danger, conflict, uh, status, uh, dominance hierarchy. I can't can't counter relate these ideas. So I'm going to take you to game of Thrones. I know none of your listeners would ever miss an episode of game of Thrones. Absolutely. So, uh, game of Thrones, right? The whole show is anchored to this idea. Winter is coming. So they get into all kinds of personality conflicts and plot twists and they get into trouble where it's not they can't resolve the complexity of the relationships and the geography and the setups it's just too complicated and it's not resolvable in a normal you know if you were just just a a you know in the west wing the west wing had all these plot complications they would not be able to unscrew themselves so they built in this device winter is coming and whenever they get in trouble they just go Ah, winter is coming, right? And it's this unifying thing that resets everybody's attention to something you cannot get away from, and you have to react to. And so I looked at that, and and no, I don't want to you know feel like Game of Thrones informs this book. It's informed you know by other things like Brandon's show and and NPR and beer. But uh, so where was I? So winter is coming. What it does is it's a theme that says in your industry, there is some change that is so dynamic and so overwhelming and so unavoidable that you have to react to it. And so, hey, Oren, give me an example of that. Uh, and the example I use, and and sorry, I've used this on other shows, Brandon. I, I don't want to you know repeat myself, but no, no.
1: Well, I want to, and what's funny is just to take take a, a step back for a second. We talk a lot about like personal brands here on this, and you're in the building. Uh, you've been building this for years, but I think that's something that's suddenly become like public conversation right now is the idea of personal influence and personal brands. And the for me, like that's why I got into this business. It's like. Why should I care? Well, the, the impending doom of not being relevant anymore, not being able to find a job because a resume is not good enough anymore, like that impending doom eventually pushed me to say, I need to find a way to, to stand out as an individual because humans are being commoditized. That was my winter is coming. Human skills are being commoditized. You need your own brand and platform. And that, that drove me towards something as huge as leaving a career. So I understand like the fear like, that is, is a motivator for sure here's a perfect example you can take away with you to just
0: coalesce all these thoughts. When stadium seating, stadium seating came to theaters, it was a nuclear winter for every other form of theater, right? Because in the regular theater that we, you know, I grew up with, you're probably too young, but um, to have you ever been in a regular theater, non-stadium?
1: Yeah. 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 Tiny screens,
0: yeah, so tiny screens, but, but you can't see, like, Oren Clough comes and sits down, five foot nine, right? I'm not fucking a new bull here, right? I sit down here like, oh, my God, Oren's sit in front of me. I can't see shit, <laughs> right? And, and so when the stadium seating came in, not the stadium seating that you're thinking about, which is they serve you sushi and beer and the recliner, just as a shitty seat, but is just angled way up so you could easily see over person in front. You, it wiped out every other form of theater, right? And so, that if you were a consultant, a real estate consultant at that time, you say, hey, listen, you've got four theaters, right, in the uh, Wichita Falls area. By the way, Wichita Falls is in Texas, not in Kansas. But uh, in the Wichita Falls, you've got four theaters, right? There are now some uh, purchase agreements by companies that are known for in the theater business for stadium seating, right? You have about 16 months before those permits get in, and the construction finishes to figure out what you're going to do because those theaters are going to wipe you out completely 90% wipe out. Now, we deal a lot with this, right? I've done this a thousand times. And, and back, matter of fact, we're pretty busy. I'm going to share with you what I know today about the nuclear effect on flat seating of stadium seating and the very, very limited amount of moves, queen to king pawns three that you can do in order to survive this i've helped 25 theater groups move through this very difficult area and now they are uh, they remain dominant in the area but if you don't make these specific moves in this specific amount of time then everything you've worked to build is going to recede to practically nothing and there's going to be new winners in your market again this is what we do to help people uh, i don't you know, i'm not even sure if i'd be willing to take you on at this point but I need to learn more about you to see if our circles overlap uh, and it makes sense for us to go forward. Make sense? And that's really what a more modern uh, form of pitching is, but that, that's the value of the winter is coming approach. You're not going to get out of the way of this effect.
1: Yeah. I, I think I love giving the examples. I mean, what you're hearing is like the live pitches, like the kind of things that Oren is doing in the boardroom every day to close like these massive deals. The idea of, of telling them the actual scenario, you're not even inventing something, showing them the things that are actually happening and making it relevant to their business and why they need to start thinking about this solution that, that is the thing that you have is, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. It's, uh, it's, uh, and it's, it's in the book. I don't want to read people the book,
0: but I, uh, the, this example came, because this came out of a real pitch you know, that we built that in the data security business, Right Which is changing a lot. the three most profitable jobs, companies, careers, whatever you want to call it, are all illegal. and, and, and you, you know you would not have said 20 years ago the, the three most profitable careers you could have in the banking business are all illegal. and so in every industry, tax you know real estate is tax and regulation, um, you know, look, there's just this huge shift in, um, you know, even in, in mass consumer brands where privacy, I mean, just sort of almost came out of nowhere. And now if you're not privacy oriented as a mass consumer electronics brand, you're, you're basically hosed. And so you guys deal with that all the time. You know, you probably call it positioning, right? And so it's, it's sort of the reverse of positioning. But what is the effect when you go to sell something that the, the customer is either aware of or is going to be made aware very uh, soon that is going to change the whole nature of the business that you fundamentally can help them navigate. And in the new world order, you're the one that knows how things are going to work in the future. And that is not selling, that is exposing your potential buyer to the idea that winter is coming, things have to change, and you're the person who knows what to do and how to navigate.
1: Yeah, I love it because it, it, it then, to like your point, taps into the pre-wiring in your head that like, uh, I, need to, I need to stay alive. I need to make sure that I, I can thrive in the future. And how do I get away from this danger, right? I do want to jump to the like the other thing that really kind of captured my curiosity. A, the title. I mean, the, just the brilliance of a plain vanilla approach. Uh, you're like, what is that? Uh, and a former guy you know, who used to work at an ice cream shop and knowing that vanilla is the number one served flavor, which is so boring. Like, why, why do more people buy vanilla than everything else? Because it's something that's easy to understand. It's palatable. It's not scary. It gets, and you're like, oh, I understand what I'm going to get with this. And there, there's something about that. Uh, and you talk about the, the, the juxtaposition between curiosity and anxiety. You have this great story about the Mahalo Marketplace pitch. This, uh, this storytelling to its, to its finest, all about this concept of a plain vanilla approach. You want to talk a little bit more about like what, uh, what's the kind of some of the, the premise that people can take away from that? How can you use that?
0: I don't care you know, how much you are involved with branding and you do branding and you eat and live brands. At some point you have to pitch for business or resources or sell your ideas, right? So, so things have to, I remember I was driving my car and we we're pitching a deal. I was going to pick up my little boy and for the one millionth time, a potential client said, well, um, you know, there's quite a few people who provide these kinds of banking and advisory services. How are you different? I don't know what movie it's from, but you know, somebody asks a question and they take the phone and they're beating it on the desk until it's like destroyed and slamming the phone down. And and so finally it just clicked in me. Instead of getting mad, I go, different. Oh, we're not any different. We're exactly the same. All right? You can swing a dead cat in Newport Beach and find an investment banker that does the exact same work as we do. We all do the same thing. We're basically glorified law firms. Not only do we do the same thing, law firms can do the same thing as us. Probably like you must have somebody in your family who just graduated, you know, from Stanford with an MBA. They can do it. Matter of fact, you don't even need that guy to do it. You can do it on your own in-house. Like everybody does the exact same thing. The goal there was to commoditize all possible competition, turn everybody into a commodity, including us, and then build on that Commoditization. Instead of doing all this compare and contrast and we're better, everything like that. So the goal there was to make every possible offering that they could explore, whether all the way from McKinsey to Goldman Sachs down to their you know nephew just graduating with an MBA from Stanford in in finance. Everybody does exactly the same thing. It's completely commoditized. Now we're different in a few key ways. And so that was the heart and the, the basis of plain vanilla because everybody has this issue of, you know, how are we different? And it's so hard to build up that differentiation use case. In fact, I just got into this online email war with, with Seth Godin, you know, about this purple vanilla uh, or purple cow, right? It's so hard to create differentiation. And when you do, what happens is, you know where I'm going next, uh, differentiation or, or new or novel or exciting creates attention and it makes people come look, it doesn't make them buy. It. So the closer you get to something that's new, novel, unusual, never tried before, the more anxiety it creates, right? Oh, a, I mean, I'm just making up with the top of my head now. A fully automated robotic dentist. Insurance covers it 100%, right? Doesn't cost you a cent because it's a robot. Uh, well, I got to, you know, A, it doesn't cost anything. B, it's robotic. So you approach it and you investigate it and you're like, ah, I can't have a robot doing that inside my, cleaning my teeth. It sounds horrible. And you, it creates anxiety, right? And then your wife goes, hey, our health insurance is so expensive. You know, we should, and you go, oh, there's this, there's this robotic dentist. And she goes, oh, really? Ah, no, I'm not going to do it. So, so new, novel, exciting, different purple cow Creates attention, but it also creates anxiety or avoidance behavior. And so I really like we're the same in that we deliver results. We're effective, we're true, we're we're tried, we're valuable, we're known, we're experienced. There's nothing weird about us, and we're a little bit better than all those other commodities in one of the most essential ways. In what way? Oh, in the way that everything's changing. So the one thing that we're really better at is the one thing that's going to make you survive after winter arrives. And that's the power to me of plain vanilla.
1: Yeah. Well, I love it. Cause it does, it does relate, I think to pretty much anything. I just love that. You just can riff and come up with examples. Like you obviously do this every day to like show, like you've been pitching and pitching and, and figuring this out. Uh, it's awesome. In my, in my world, the idea of like, I mean, marketing is, is commoditized and the people are commoditized. So one of the things that we talk about when I meet people, it's like, literally anyone can run your Facebook ads. Literally anyone. My cousin that just graduated college that did it once for his aunt can do it. Like it's all there. It's DIY. So you don't need, you need, you know, a a Brandon who's been in marketing 17 years to help you with that. You know, and I'll even help you hire that guy for 10 bucks an hour, you know, or whatever it is. But what you're, what he's going to tell you is, like how to execute, but not why. And if even you should be doing Facebook to begin with, you need to talk to someone who does brand strategy first to help you build your marketing plan or whatever it is. And, you know, but what I love is it gets rid of the stuff that's technical and scary, which is, I think, what I took a lot out of this chapter is they're going to have a hundred questions about, well, how do I run Facebook ads? And how do I do this? And what about the targeting? And what about the da-da-da-da-da? And you can take all that away by saying, yeah, all that, we'll f- anyone can figure that out for you. They'll do it for you. You don't have to worry about it. Anyone can do that.
0: Oh yeah. I I give you a line, right? You just use this. Oh, Facebook marketing. Oh yeah. A nine year old in Ukraine on Upwork can do it for $4. You want the login?
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And then you pivot to the thing that's important and suddenly they, they, they won't ask those questions anymore, which I love. And you can focus on the things that you do better that are different. So I think that's huge. I think that is selling. I think that is branding. I think that is marketing. It's I love it. I just, I think it's a new way to, to, to think about it for sure. And
0: and that's, that's the thing about, uh, you know, flip the script as well today is like leads. I feel like companies, it, What comes to my mind is these, uh, explorers, you know, that are, are, uh, you know, on K2 or up Nepal or up Kilimanjaro on these ice cliffs. And they, they run out of food because a winter storm has set in and they're and, uh, um, you know, John Krakow is, is writing uh, is writing about them and uh, Krakow or whatever his name is and, and they're on the glacier, right? And they run out of water and they're literally hiking on ice and they're dying of thirst. That is what, to me, what's happening with people is they got leads, leads, marketing automation, leads, buying lists, getting leads, right? But the conversion is zero. So 2% of your list, and you know, 5% of that list yet conversion is, is, is zero. So it's easy to do marketing automation. It's easy to get leads, but converting those leads with a pitch and helping somebody buy is the new wild, wild west. Too many leads, not enough
1: conversion. Wow. That's, that's crazy. I mean, I was on literally on a live today and we were, that's part of the conversation we had. It was like, you no, know, you, you're meeting plenty of people, but if you're, if half of them are leaving, you might be, you know, maybe you're focusing on the wrong areas. Leads is, is the only thing people are thinking about, and that's for sure. The thing I kind of want to ask, which I, I've been holding off a little bit, but the, the thing I, that was one of my favorites in the book, so that's why it's like dessert, I'm saving it. it, was at the very end of the book, it's this idea, it's called How to Be Compelling and i love it cuz it's one of those universal desires right it's that thing that everyone can relate to like how do you be compelling it's like when i was first left work it was like i google like how do you be charismatic like it's literally this this core desire i think we all want to be compelling or interesting or whatever that is and are like what's the secret ingredient to that and, and i don't know if there's a secret ingredient but i do want to say there's going to be people that are like okay i'll read the book i'm hearing this podcast and it's a lot to take in but like how do I get started doing these things? How do I get started being compelling? How do I, you know, like, what are some things I can start to do besides educate myself? Like, what's the, you know, what are those things? But, you know, I, I'm kind of lofting that up there, but that chapter spoke to me for sure. Cause I think everyone, it's a universal truth that we all want to do it. Like, and
0: Let me help. And something I didn't have time to put in the book and maybe as an entire new book, but um, I'm happy to discuss it here because people come in here for training and they want to do all the fancy stuff that we're talking about, plain vanilla, status tip off, uh, pre-wired ideas, winter is coming, a flash roll, you know, the, 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 the fancy stuff. But I think in order to be compelling, and we can talk more about what's in the chapter, uh, there's three layers. And on the bottom layer, it, it, people skip this, content. Get the content of what you're selling right. The big idea, what's changing, the problem, who else solves the problem, right? Some generic solutions, Uh, your solution, what it is, how it works, the value proposition, the ROI of, you know, the KPIs, the assumptions you're making, the pro forma, right? Or the you know, again, the ROI, a little bit about the competition, who you are, what your track record is. That's the content layer in that order. You get any of that stuff out of order, you're hosed. So you get that stuff right. That's what I do a lot. You know, people come in here for a pitch. I got to fix that content layer first. You got to get the right things, in the right order that the buyer's mind is used to. You know, so people, go, people say, hey, Orn, uh, what do you do when you get an interruption? I'm like, fuck, I don't know. I haven't had an interruption in five years, right? Well, what do you mean you don't have an interruption? You talk over people? No, I put the information the buyer needs in his mind in the order that he wants it and the amount of detail that he needs it in. And then he doesn't ask any questions because he's getting the information he needs. in the order. So the content layer. On top of the content layer is the performance layer. The performance layers, you know, some of the stuff we're talking about here, status being, you know, the status tip off, plain vanilla, that kind of thing. And then on top of the performance layer, and and we'll get into that in a second, is sort of being compelling is the control layer. And that's the takeaway. Hey, look, as if you handed me a million dollar check now and give it back to you, I don't know enough about you to be doing business and choosing a partner like this is critical. I just, I couldn't take that check you know, I need to know more about you. What's your position on You know, the political environment on the environmental situation on, you know, who we get involved with, uh, how many, how many consultants and branding companies have you had in the last two or three years? Where are they now? How long did you stick with them? Why did you leave them? How easy or hard are you to work with? You know, when the, when the first argument comes about, you guys pop smoke and leave or do you try and work? Through, I just don't know anything about you to say, Hey, we're working together. That's a control layer. It's a content layer, performance layer, Control layer. Within the performance layer is this idea of being compelling, right? And I think one thing that we can expose to people today who are who aren't regular salespeople but do have to go, sell, you know, pitch and sell stuff and get resources is compelling. It's not about being charismatic. It's not about being, about being obsequious, you know, or cloying or pitchy, and all those those things come across as needy. Compelling. I think you know the 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 takeaway is having values that are unbudgeable not not that you're inflexible not that you are unwilling to discuss different ideas not that you're you know stuck to a price but having values that cannot come hell or high water hell or winter or or anything cannot be budged that at the end of the day, you know, and and reading you, you know, the last sentence in the chapter that's the payoff is your value system that cannot be altered by a sales meeting
1: is what makes you compelling. That's true. I mean, if you guys have, rewind that back if you weren't listening, the value system that you will not budge from, right, is what makes you compelling that, that you, when they start to challenge or question the things that you're saying, or even that, you know, whatever the value is, the thing that you're providing, which we get a lot, right? Well, this just seems a little expensive. And most people will say, I'm going to discount. Like I'm, you know, I'll give you half off. Uh, you you lose that that respect that you had as as a product, you devalue what you're doing. And so that speaks to me, the idea that, that you can be compelling if you stick to what you know is true. Obviously, you gotta let the market, I think the market's the market. If you go to a hundred people and not one of them wants to buy from you, like you might need to figure out what your product fit is for the <laughs> for the people. But yeah, I, I understand that.
0: Yeah. Or if you go, you know, to hundred people and negative 50, what people are taking money from you. <laughs> that's even worse. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, and this might be a good exercise. I was uh, speaking from a stage and um, somebody didn't really understand values. Now to be fair, this was an audience of salespeople. So <laughs> like, what's a value? <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that's where we are. But, but I worked with this woman and I said, Well, what are the things that make you mad when people do it? And she says, well, don't steal from me, right? Okay, well, that's a very high value that you have, right? Is, is, you know, integrity around payment. And so you could just say, hey, listen, I will help you. I'll give you examples. I'll spend my time with you, you know, draft up proposals, right? But do not negotiate on price. If you ankle bite me on price, my price is my price. I'll help you in many anyway, But if you ankle buy me on price, I'll pop smoke and you won't be able to find me. And the best person who knows about this kind of real estate in the world, well, you will not have access to. I will not get ankle bit on price. And so that's establishing a value system. And that makes, believe it or not, makes compelling. And we went through, you know, some of her, her other values, which was, um, hey, don't mess with my daughter or my family, right? And I said, we'll put that out front, dead center. Right. And say, listen, I just want to tell you, you know, a lot of people say business is business, but for me, that's not true. Business to me is about relationships. I involve my family, right? You will know about my daughter and the things that we do personally. If I, if, you know, I do business with people who we eventually say, hey, you know what? Um, oh, you're going to, you know, Canada skiing? Let's just go together. Yeah, great. And we end up going on vacation together. We do things together. We become friends. We do holiday parties. So if, you believe business is business and you could just cut off a vendor, you know, or redo a contract because you're just trying to make the most amount of money and that's the way things are done. That's not for me. You have to take your business somewhere else. So those are values. It's not for everybody, right? Some people go, I don't mind discounting. You know, some people go, hey, I never want to get a Christmas card from you. Just want your money. And and so there's not a universal set of values. I mean, that's the problem I think with a lot of the books. Like, here's your values, right?
1: Yeah. You got to figure it out for yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah, You got, you know, what are your values that you will, will. And so then it's not a game. Then you can put your values down and you'll go, listen, you know, these are things that are important to me and we can do business together if we stick within these, these, these areas. And if we stray outside of them, you know, we might like each other. We might want to play golf together. We might send each other, you know, holiday cards, but we won't be able to do business together, right? Because we're just fundamentally disconnected. On, on something and some people, so, so values um, have to be put out there and you have to stick to them and that makes you. Compelling. Well,
1: I, uh, man, I think so much knowledge uh, today. I think that is just for me, mind blowing. I hope the, the audience is getting a lot from it. We are coming towards the end here, but Orrin, I do want to kind of get from you. What If people want to find you first, then I have a little bonus question here. Uh, if people want to find you and go out and get to know you a little bit better, where should they look? They should look in Switzerland where I'm skiing.
0: No. uh, I I think the thing you should do is head over to oranclaff.com. It will give you chapter one of Flip the Script. And chapter one of Flip the Script is not some BS chapter of every other book you've ever read, which is, this is why I wrote this book. This is, uh, here's the layout of the chapters. This is what you're going to get. Here's what's important for you to know. This chapter one goes boom, right in the middle of it. We drop you into Moscow, Russia and show you how to do a deal with an oligarch. So go get that deal with an oligarch chapter one. It's the real deal. Gets right into it and get chapter one. And then I'll give you a bunch of other information on Flip the Script and the things we talked about here from that site. So, com, and you can start to get some of the information for uh, immediately that I think is going to help you do some of the things that we talked about here today.
1: Yeah, that's Orin Claff, O-R-E-N, Claff, K-L-A-F-F. O-R-E-N, Klaff, K-L-A-F-F. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes too. And he's not lying about that first chapter, guys. I mean, I read that story and I thought honestly to myself, I'm like, oh, he wasted his best story, like right at the beginning. Like it's, it's gone, like there it is. But there's so many amazing stories just like it, but it was but one of the better ones, to be honest. It was, you did put that first one right up front. It was one of the best that just, it was, I was like, I have to read the rest of this now. It's like, it was that good.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. And you know, it's funny you say, how do people find you? All you do is you just type O in Google search and it'll just fill, like half the internet is me anyway. There you go. I'm Not hard to find. You just
1: type in O and they're like, oh, Orrin Clef. And he leaves us hanging with the teaser at the end of the book. Uh, spoiler, it says, you know, extra chapter, but you have to, we don't know what it's about and we don't know what's going on with it. Is there any, is that the the Fort Knox right there? Yeah, listen, I'll leave you, I'll leave you with this. So what happens is I go
0: to interview publishers for my second book. Oh, Warren Claff is coming in, author of Pitch Anything. And Harper Collins goes, I don't think you can write a second book. Idiots like you. Tim Ferris, Oren Clav, Ryan Holiday, just one hit wonders. To my face. I don't think you got a second book in you. So cold. So so cold. And you know what? She was right. So, you know, I sat down and and I'm a I'm a business guy. I do this stuff. I'm not, you know, a full-time writer. I mean, I write quite a bit, but a, a, so I wrote the second book did it in about six, seven months, pretty fast. First book took me a full year dedicated. And I, I was about to send it off, the manuscript. And I go, you know what? This is a good book, but it's not the Oren claffs second book. So I call the publisher that I had and I go, uh, hey, listen, the publishing deadline needs to get reset another seven months. You're like, uh, okay, that's going to be kind of tight. So I write the book again and now it's really good. Super good. I really like it. I'm like in love with it. And then I load it up and I go to hit send. And I'm like, oh. I like it. I love it. But it's just, it's not pitch anything too. It's not Orncliffe's second book. So I on and go, it's going to be late. And i like, fuck you. And, and so by this time, I've written 200,000 words. You only need 66,000 words. So now I write it for a third time. And I'll tell you how proud I am of the third one. When I went to send it off, like the version that you send to the publisher, that they're going to print what you send. I let my little boy, got a video of him, my five-year-old, hit uh, send, click send. He didn't know how to use a computer because we don't give him screen time. But he clicks send, shoots off to the publisher, and that's the one they're going to print. And uh, he turns to me and goes, Daddy, please don't write another book. <laughs> so I've got about 150,000 extra words, and it's all really, really good, great stories, good stuff. You know, but, but Flip the Script has the, and, and you know, and you read it and it is the absolute essential oil to make your life better and so i've got the 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 bonus chapter the extra chapter has a rich tapestry of 150,000 words to pull from i can definitely deliver on it that's amazing
1: uh, i look forward to it i hope you guys check it out orin claff here Flip the script, persuade anyone by getting them to think your idea is their idea. Man, thank you so much for coming on today. It's an honor talking to you.
0: Yeah, no, you're a good host. I appreciate it. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. Head over to BrandonBrands.com for more resources as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit BrandonBrands.com.